The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Friday. stuff down here i can't even get to the computer to record fan film fridays <sighs> i'm clinton robison trapped in a basement that is getting even more full pat tossed a bunch of random junk down here and i think jared picked up like a half dozen more sky strikers at a local yard sale <sighs> let me just move some stuff and ow cut my anger <sighs> But I ain't got time to bleed. Jesus, box is heavy. Hey, hey, hey! I'm I'm trying to sleep here. Hey, what? What? Rick Heineken? What are you doing in there? Well, I think Pat said something about helping me unpack the power of Power Pack, or was it that he wanted to power pack the powdered packages? But instead, I guess he packed me up in a box while I was taking a nap after helping him. Well, probably more of his plans to get rich on Planet Mongo. Joke's on him. I relabeled all of his short short boxes to go to my house. Now I am set for life. See? Yeah, I, I noticed. Well, since you're down here already, uh, pull up a chair, um, box, and uh, let's talk about a fan film. Yeah, y you are familiar with fan films, right? And are you familiar with a little franchise called Predator? Oh, yeah, sure thing. That's an American reality television series or television new or television news magazine program, Dateline NBC, featuring confrontations with host Chris Hansen, partially filmed with hidden cameras of adults arriving at a sting house to have sex with a minor and typically be and typically being arrested as a result. Minors are adults impersonating underage people, kind of like ages 12 through 15 in online chats. That's what you're talking about, right? Wait, wait, what? No, 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 no. That's to catch a predator. I was asking about the sci-fi predator franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something completely different. Um, I think you mean the 1987 sci-fi action film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, which spawned, like, three other movies, two crossovers, and, like, a mess of other media. Yeah, sure. What started out as a Schwarzenegger action movie became a bit of a phenom. After the big success of that first movie, a second, slightly more futuristic take was done with Danny Glover. That movie was so violent, it was awarded the NC-17, the first one of its kind ever. Uh, from that point on, the Predator concept became kind of tied in with the Aliens universe and really kind of has never gone away. The eponymous Predators are a species of advanced humanoid aliens who use their weapons and skills to trophy hunt throughout the galaxy. I really am not that familiar with it at all. Why do you ask? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, well, have you ventured into the novels, comics, video games, or did you just stick to the movies? Kind of. I'm a big fan of the first two films, and I collected a couple of the runs of the comics back in the day, but never really got too much beyond that. But lucky for me, every time I drive down the road from my house and go through downtown Milwaukee, Oregon, I get to see the awesome, awesome corner display that Dark Horse has that features the Predator with a couple of alien xenomorphic eggs. Well, that sounds like a cool display, but Oregon? Hold on one second. Also, let me tell you, seeing one of those Predators wearing a Santa Claus hat to die for. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, that does sound like a great display, but what what is this Oregon that you speak of? You know, um, these short shorts over here, I think I saw a couple that are really small. I can fit you in one of those, whether you like it or not. I blame Pat Samson. (laughs) All righty. So, today's fan film is called Predator Dark Ages. It was released online back in 2015 by the Filmmaker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was written and directed by James Bush and stars Adrian Bouchette, Ahmed Hashimi, Sabine Crossan, Ben Lloyd Holmes, John Campling, Joe Egan, and Philip Lane. The music is by Juan Iglesias, though I can't expect he borrowed from some movies. At the time of this recording, the video on YouTube has racked up a highly impressive 9.2 million views. The film clocks in at just under 28 minutes, so it might take a little bit for everybody to watch it before we dive in. But I do highly encourage everybody to pause right here and give the film at least one viewing. Not only will we be reviewing it and spoiling all the neat parts of the film, it's usually just more fun if everybody's on the same page going in. So take a pause. We're not going anywhere. So what size short shorts do you really wear? That That's a closely guarded... back and ready? Good. Predator Dark Age's whole premise is that during the Crusades, the faith and fighting skills of a group of Templar knights is put to the test when they encourage the Predator. The film opens with a group of knights, Crusaders, um, a fairly historically accurate D&D group, whatever, being summoned to a small camp near a forest. The priest there informs Thomas, the leader of the knights, about a creature that has been hunting and killing men. Saeed, a Muslim scholar who has experience with a similar creature, has reluctantly agreed to go with the knights, who are also reluctant to have a non-Christian among them. Upon encountering a skinned man hanging from a tree, the group begins to understand just what kind of force they are up against. 
They split up to follow two sets of tracks, but one leads to a dead end and the other leads to the trackers being killed. Over the course of several minutes of film time, the group is whittled down to just Thomas and Saeed, who have two very different ideas of how to deal with the creature. Thomas chooses to stay and fight while Saeed basically runs away. Saeed's the smart one. Mm -hmm. In a dramatic nighttime battle, Thomas fights a losing battle against the Predator, but Saeed arrives at the last moment with his sword to the Predator's throat. Saeed negotiates Thomas's life for the Predators. Taking his trophies with him, the Predator boards his cloaked ship and flies away. Thomas and Saeed look on in awe, but presumably leave as friends instead of enemies. So, Rick, what did you think of Predator Dark Ages? On the whole, I enjoyed the film. Uh, when I started off watching it, I kind of surprised my wife by just kind of turning it on and then informing her that this was a fan film. She got very worried, as was I. But I was pleasantly surprised by the quality and care that went into making the film. I think the highest and strongest points this film has is in its production value. Film stock that it used is very high quality, letterbox formatted. Um, the cast itself, very competent, clear with their lines, actually are acting throughout the entire process. Um, the scenery, the location, the costuming, all top notch. And you get the feeling that you are back in the Middle Ages. I mean, it's a very simplistic set. They've got a couple of fields and a dark forest. Really, what else do you need? I think, you know, minimalistic wins them the day here. They don't have to worry about buttering it up with any other stuff. They just are out in the forest, and good old-fashioned forest is what it looks like. Um, where this film falls apart is actually everything to do with the Predator itself, <laughs> once you see the Predator. Uh, the special effects, with this Predator being hidden, are good. They're they're very solid. It's pretty simple to do kind of the, the fuzzy view of the Predator, and you know they did some really good gore-type acting, but once you see the Predator and they're actually interacting with a physical representation of the Predator, that's where the film kind of falls apart. Storyline itself is good. Um, I think there's a couple of easy cheats they do and, and they can get away with by making it only a 30-minute film by just shorthanding. You got the Muslim, you got the Christians. Of course they hate each other. We don't need to talk about it. You've got the setup that the Predator is coming and killing them. You don't, don't need to talk about it. You know They're out to hunt a Predator. Okay, great. We got that. The parts where the storyline has a little, I, I struggle with it, is the ending. And it, especially on my second viewing of the film, I really had a problem with how the film ended and the choices that were made there, the motivation of the predator, if you will. But all in all, I think that there is that it is a solid piece of filmmaking and a very enjoyable watch. Oh, wow. Okay, how to respond to all that. Uh, I'll agree with the costuming, the location shoots, all of that is great, the the film itself was crowdfunded, so I don't know what the budget was exactly, but it you can tell it was definitely a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, the acting, I'm going to assume none of these people are professional actors. They do very well for what they're doing. Uh -huh. um, as I, I think from my, from my research, I think most of them are extras or second tiers. They've all got film credits in, in IMDb, but it's mostly as background third, fourth tier kind of characters. So they've got enough experience that they know how to act on a film. And as far as selling it, it's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, as far as the Predator goes, I think the costume looks really good. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm I'm not as brought down by it as you are, but I can understand where your points are coming from because we never see the predator's face. He's always got the the mask on, the helmet, and just fine. Yeah, which you know it works great because it's it goes against the usual trope of oh you know they took his helmet off. Oh everybody's freaked out. But yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying on some of the stuff with fighting the predator. It's it almost seems like whoever is in the costume really can't see what what is going on. No. So they're just going through pretty much every bit of choreography they remember and it's probably done at half or three quarter speed and they've kinda sped it up a little bit. Yeah. Because you can tell it really looks like his arms are heavy when he's trying to slash at them. And I'll agree to the I- the the plot as far as like Saeed coming up and basically having his sword to the predator's throat and it just suddenly resolves it it really feels like oh we're trying to do a 30 minute film we're on minute 27 you really need to wrap this up it's like when you read a comic and suddenly everything wraps up in the last four panels i i think i almost would have been happier if if the predator won against the knight and saeed came back and watched and saw this happening and the knight saw Saeed and said tell the tell everyone what you have seen and you know basically dies as the predator and the predator walks up with the trophy of he's killed the knight templar and Saeed is just left to regale the tale of how the predator has you know destroyed another band of I think that would have been better I have a problem with Saeed coming and putting away his weapon and holding out his hands like he is ready to sacrifice himself to the predator and the predator is saying, okay, well, you're, you know, a different approach, and okay, whatever. I'm just going to turn my back on you, leave, and take the helmet as a trophy. I think he, get back to, he gets back to Predator World, and they're like, hey, yeah, chump, you didn't win. You, you, you backed out of taking a couple of lives. Mm-hmm. You know, bad on you. It's, it's completely different from what you see at the end of Predator 2 with Danny Glover. And Danny Glover takes down the one, and he earns the respect of everybody else. Yeah, you I get the feeling this was quite literally a trophy hunt it wasn't so you know the the supposed rite of passage or anything like that this was hey let's go shoot some elk but even then i i don't know it's it's like oh you came up you snuck up behind me and then you put away your weapon you're dead now i murdered you Mm -hmm. i I just i i i had a problem with with that um as far as the fighting with the predator it i it seemed to me that the templar knight thomas he was a competent enough physical actor. And his swordplay looked pretty decent, and he was just going up and trying to make the swordplay look good against somebody who was not a very physical actor. Or, like you said, was really hampered down by his his costume. So, it's again, it's like, okay, if this is what's going to happen, and you want to do something, but you can't quite do it because of limitations that you have with costuming or the actor, you got to figure out something else that's going to be more realistic, or it's going to sell that... The Predator is a worthy opponent, a worthy fighter. Yeah, and I mean, as much as I like this being a mix of Predator and the 13th Warrior, the, mm-hmm. the hey, you know, we can bond even though we have differences, that that plot kind of falls flat at the end. I think it would have been more, like I said, I think it would have been better if yeah. Saeed was there to just record what had occurred. Yeah, basically. Like, like I mean, you know, you watch the 13th Warrior that was pretty much Antonio Banderas' role at the end of the movie. He just carried the tale back, 
you know, he survived the ordeal and carried the tale back to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, on the whole, though, I did like. The, I mean, I don't want you to, anybody to think that I didn't enjoy this. I did enjoy it. it. Just with as much as I was enjoying the film in its early parts, the final scene was a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a letdown for me. But on the whole, I still enjoyed it. I think it was a very well done piece of fan film. Oh, definitely. And I mean, that's part of the thing on this show. We're, we're not here to bash anything. It's part of our job oh. to nitpick on it. So far, I really haven't picked anything on this show that we i mean there's been a few things we could probably sit and make fun of if we were mean-spirited people but Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know that i would pick anything that's absolutely without any redemption i don't want to waste my time and i don't want to waste the audiences no and this and this is like i said this is good this is a good good thing just be impressed with the quality that they have behind the costuming and the cinematography and Everybody that's in the film, you can see they're giving it their all, and that's enjoyable to watch as well. You you see people that are just really invested in what they're doing, and it's impressive to see. Yeah, and I mean, just kind of doubling back here, uh, if somebody is completely unfamiliar with Predator as a franchise, would you recommend this as a decent introduction, or would you suggest they have watched you know the actual movies before they dive into this? Hmm. Um. I think you would go want to go back and watch the first Predator movie at least because there is more buildup and more tension with what that group in that movie is doing when they discover that there is this creature out there that's hunting them. And the reveal of the first time you see the Predator is much more impactful. After that, you're going to lose the dividends of it. I mean, the same thing happens in Predator 2. It's like it, Predator 2 does a pretty good job, but you you should know what the predator is like you should know the mo of this creature so you're able to kind of get past that a little bit yeah danny glover's got to catch up and figure out what's going on but they've got ways of introducing that in the story this they are they believe that the audience knows enough about predator that they can shorthand a lot of it you're just like here goes a bunch of fools that think they're going to take down some kind of demon and we already know what's going to happen to them because we've we've been there before so they're cutting out a lot of that tension in brett and going for the brevity of this film. So I think that, that it would be see the first movie at least just as a primer. For so any other highs, lows, what does? The um, one thing I kind of picked up on it or laughed about the first time I watched the film and then looked at my phone later on and verified it was the man of arms for this little group of warriors is actually a woman. And that's um, Priya. And, you know, they kind of make their little jokes like, yeah, she's a woman, but, you know, can hold her own don't make fun of her, blah, blah, blah. And then from then on, she's just one of the warriors that goes in the woods. But the moment you see her, the mo- the first thing I thought of was like, wow, look, it's an elf with a bow and arrow. <laughs> I wondered <laughs> if I was the only one like, oh my gosh, she's just missing her ears. Nope. I looked her up. Yes, she was an extra on Lord of the Rings as one of the Rivendell oh elves. Oh my lord. <laughs> I was just like, of course she was. And my and I kind of said, hey, what would you think that actress would do, too? I don't know, maybe an elf in Lord of the Rings. I said, yep, that's exactly what she was. So, I mean, it, it gets fine, whatever. It's I like it. It's a nice little touch that adds in the film. Um, and I think, once again, she's as competent as anybody else. Uh, it was just kind of funny. There was a couple of, probably a couple of things that you could point out as being anachronisms. I, I really wondered why Thomas gave... Muslim, the Saracen, a, Kirk, a Kukri. He gives he gives him a weapon, and he says, "Well, I'm a scholar, not a warrior." But he gives him a weapon. It's not 
this guy's weapon, but he gives him a kukri, which is an 18th or 19th century Indian weapon, I believe, to this Muslim. And I was like, that that doesn't seem to fit, because I don't think Thomas would have that weapon to begin with. I'm a little confused by that, but whatever. Interesting. Um, probably a little bit of little anachronisms like that. Um, I, 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 like I said, I can't stress enough. The highest points of this film, I think, are the costumes and overall effects. And just a low point would be the sword fight with the Predator. But even then, you can still look at it and, and pull out some good parts. I, I think Thomas, the actor who plays Thomas, does a great job with his side of the story. What about you? What are your highs and lows? Well, I mean, we've pretty much talked up to most everything that I would have focused on. Um, gosh, the the only thing I really am not, you know, I like the pacing, but I'm not sure it's the best pacing for this move. Really? Yeah, like, I, I really think it could have benefited from an extra 10 to 15 minutes. Where where would you put that 10 to 15 minutes? I would probably actually put it a lot of it um, just in the fact that everybody gets pretty much slaughtered within just a few minutes of discovering the Predator. Kind of spread it out, yeah. you know, to give it that tension, like you said, in, in the first Predator movie. I mean, you know everybody's going to die, pretty much. But you don't want right. it all to happen at once. That, that's kind of diminishing returns, Maybe. you know. Maybe, but you, I think you would have, if that happened, you would have to have something else to in the middle, because... I don't think that it's as enjoyable of them just wondering. Very limited set. You have a very limited kind of storytelling you can do with that. If you wanted to put a little more time in there and build up the tension, maybe they could have had something with um, an errant traveler that they come across that's coming down the road, and they're trying to warn them to get out of there or what's going on, why are you here? Maybe doing something like that and adding it in to elongate the tension, but you would have to add another scene like that order for it to add out the movie otherwise they're just they're people walking through a forest and that's fine for a while <laughs> but <laughs> i get a little bored with that after a while myself i don't know blair witch seemed to make enough money doing it yeah but they were they were playing on some different themes <laughs> there but that's a very good point very good point that pretty much sums up my piece on it so oh well I, this was a very good film and i'm glad that you suggested it to me i'm glad that you know, while we we're both stuck down here in this in the cellar in their Longbox Crusade headquarters, that we could, you know, check out this film. I appreciate that. Well, I do appreciate it. So I guess that wraps up another fan film. Rick, I thank you very much for somehow managing to join me, even if it is by pure happenstance. So where can people find you online if they're interested in hearing more from you? Well, Clinton, I'm glad you asked. Me and my bow-wielding elf boy Jeff and I host a podcast called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we talk about the most underrated comic book from the 80s, Power Pack. Speaking of which, i got to get back home. His beard, Jeff, a lot of time is seen as a really prized trophy. Hey, I, I've got a great idea. Uh, maybe we can both hop in that box and Pat can ship us both out of this basement. That is a fabulous idea. Normally I would say yes, but really there's only room for one person in here with all these pairs of short shorts. And I can't possibly, possibly allow these short shorts to, to just sit here on the floor of this place. I mean, I can give them some great for a tidy little profit. Um, plus it would kind of look pretty suspicious if nobody's in the basement when they come to pick it up. Mm, yeah, I guess you're right. Plus, you know, I'm kind of partial to there being air holes in boxes. Wait, ne what? never mind, never mind. J just get in that box before Pat comes. 
Okay. Meanwhile, I'll take a promo break and come back with some listener feedback. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. We got kids with powers, we got villains with attitude. We got superhero guests, like all of them from the Marvel Universe. We have thematically appropriate beer reviews. We have good jokes and bad song parodies. One stop for all your Power Pack pod-pleasing procurements. And we got alliteration. Find Unpacking the Power of Power Pack wherever fine podcasts are played. Costumes on. Hey everybody, welcome back to the feedback portion of the show. This is where I get to give out my thanks to everybody who helps make this show possible, including the fine folks at Omaha Bound, your one source for all your hard-binding needs. So, last episode, if you'll remember, was the animation special with Jared the Yard Sale Artist Albrick. That episode got likes, shares, retweets, favorites, all that fun stuff from Jared Albrick. Chris Stados, The Longbox Crusade, Professor Frenzy, Jerry Green, Kim Ellis, Gene Hendricks, Delvin Williams, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern HG, Tim Price, Courtney Holland, Sean Ross, Mark Hatherley NF, Jonathan Schaefer Hames, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Chris at BTO and Bet Books, Alan Middleton, The Jacked Up Review Show Podcast, and Rebecca. If I missed anybody, do please let me know. I am terrible about keeping up with all of them, so like I said, I might have missed you. Let me know. I'll put you on another episode. So, last episode itself. Got a couple of responses on Twitter. Green Lantern HG says, Fantastic episode, gentlemen. Especially like the Batman film. And Clinton, you ain't getting out. Hashtag Clinton never leaves the basement. Hashtag never free Clinton. Oh, HG. Feeling the love. And Laurel at Mountain Flower 1 says, That Indiana Jones clip was so good, I thought it was from a real show. Oh, Laurel, don't we all wish it was real? Man, if Disney knew what they were doing, they would make an animated series with that guy like two years ago. But that's pretty much it for this episode. As always, you can email the show at fanfilmfridays at gmail.com or contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can find me on Twitter at Fridays underscore fan or just follow the Longbox Crusade on Twitter. It's all good. I will see you on another Fan Film Fridays. Today you can take your telephone, your 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 cell phone. You can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent to make it happen.